Launches down the middle. Hill open. Caught. And they get it. Kansas City, the big play. Starting to get warmer on the field, and the players are starting to feel it. Starting to get warmer up here. It sure is. Benetieri. Kick goes to Desmond Howard at the one. Desmond Howard is off. You better turn it on or he's gone. Desmond Howard. All the way into the Patriot end zone. As soon as they get back in, Green Bay takes it away. 99 yards. Lynch in the backfield. Russell looks, throws inside. Oh, my God. It's picked off at the goal line. It's picked off by God Butler. Intended for Lockett at the goal line. Oh, my word. With 20 seconds left. Washington outside left. Roethlisberger. Has time. Throws to the back of the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the APR podcast. I am your host, Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks Lats. Joined as always by my man, Mr. Raider Eddie. How you doing tonight, brother? Good, good, man. One more week away from draft night. We got a little draft special going on tonight. So, another more NFL news to talk about. I'm excited. Yes, yes, yes. We got a great show on deck. We got Chris Ransom from Draft Utopia joining us momentarily. But before we get to the NFL draft stuff, there is some NFL news that dropped today. And Eddie and I, we both kind of touched on this uh, last week. Before I get to that, though, I do have to mention we are being brought to you by Devour. Make sure to make sure to go to devour.com or download the Devour app straight to your mobile device and use promo code TAPROOM for $10 off your first purchase of $25 or more. Yes, but we got some news, Eddie, and we touched on this a couple weeks ago. Debo yep. Samuel asked for a trade, reportedly asked for a, a, a request a trade from the 49ers. What's your thoughts on that? So supposedly he asked for this trade a long time ago. Like This isn't like new. Like He asked the Niners to trade him a while ago. They said, no, why don't you come in and work on a contract? And he just never showed up. So this is more than just like him not being paid, right? This is something within the the locker room, something within the organization that he's not a fan of. I also read too that he wants to be paid running back and wide receiver money or just not be used in that way, which in my opinion, I don't think that makes much sense. Like we both kind of touched on it. Like Debo's not the greatest route runner of all time. Debo's not the greatest receiver of all time. What makes Debo special is the fact that he plays running back and receiver, right? So I don't know if I necessarily believe that line um, from the reports that are coming out, but right. I mean, it makes sense, dude. Like if the Niners aren't a team, the Niners aren't a team that goes out and pays people early. You know what I mean? Like they paid Kittle when they wanted to. Um, they never really brought in or paid Garoppolo. They're ready to just trade them when it was time to trade them. Like um, they're not really into like re-signing guys for a long term, you know? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like, to be honest, if there's any player in the NFL on a team for the Niners, for example, that should get paid, like, just a shade under quarterback money, it's Debo. Without Debo, the Niners are awful. They're not a good football team. He was over 60% of their production last year, more than their quarterback even. Like, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I think him saying that, like, I don't want to play the running back position is kind of telling the Niners, like, hey, like you need to pay me how you're using me or like, I just want to play wide receiver because, you know, I said it two weeks ago, like the reason why I would trade Debo and I wouldn't pay Debo first wide receiver one money is because I don't think that's who he is. 
You know what I mean? I think he is a great gadget receiver, but what is the sustainability of that? Like the right. average lifespan of a running back is three years. And this dude plays wide receiver and running back. And like, he looked banged up after the Rams game last year. Like he could barely even walk after the Packers game and ended right. up playing the Rams game. So it's like, I, I, I don't want to pay my wide receiver one, that kind of money, dude. Like he, I don't think he's worth a Devonte Adams contract. I mean, he put up that kind of production last year. I'm just saying, I don't think it's sustainable. Right. I mean, like, look at an example of someone who had that much production and then right. they got the contract and what's happened. Like, just go to Carolina. They paid Christian McCaffrey how much money? Like, just a ton of money. You know, He's been hurt. Emptied the, emptied the fucking freight train for him, right? And the dude hasn't stayed healthy since. I think yep. he's played, like, you and I have probably played more games than McCaffrey since he signed that deal, you know? Like, I just, I don't, I don't. I don't think you can pay a guy who takes that many hits, that kind of money. And it's unfair. Like it's unfair to the player, right? Because if he sells the coach on the sideline, no, nah, I'm not running that play. What happens? He gets benched. The media makes, turns him into like this criminal that yep. he's all about himself and is, you know, he doesn't care. But at the same time, like he's not wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Like he should be paid that way. He shouldn't be used in the, um, the excessive amount that they're using him, but yeah. that was all they had. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it's true. Like, like it's a lose lose for him. Yeah, it is. But I think that the way they used him made him valuable, but I'm just not sure how valuable that is over the long term. So I right. think if I'm a team trading, like, I think I'm, I'm weary of that obviously. And if I'm the Niners, like I understand their position too. Like, I don't necessarily want to pay this guy yet because I want to make sure that, you know, we at least get a return on our investment. I know it's a right. shitty way of looking at it, but it, you have it's, to when you're it's a, a business, dude. Yeah. Like, you know a, what I mean? Like players are like, business. are like chewing gum. I heard this expression today. The minute the flavor's gone, they're done with you and they're popping a new one in. You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately as a player, like the job of a player is to get as much money as he can while he can play. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like all the all the old players say this whenever they're retired is like, I wish I would have got more money when I played, blah, blah, blah. And it's Debo's right to say that he wants to be traded. At yep. the same time, like there's no guarantee that the team he gets traded to is going to pay him. Yep. Or utilize like he, him the same way. Right. You can go to Kansas City and they're like, hey, we want you to run routes. And then they're like, oh, wait, he can't run a 10-yard slant. Or he can't run a... a 10 yard out or can't run a comeback. Like he doesn't do those. Like the only routes that really Debo was successful at, if we look at the film is screens, like the three yard slants and, like and then the occasional drag route. And that drag route was on precedent on them doubling Kittle. So how much of that was really Debo? He's just out running everybody. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Thinking well, someone, that a lot. Of, someone he told could me be a the, situational guy. Someone told me the other week, they were like, well, you know, he was never really asked to run those. And I was like, you're right. So, but as an opposing team, as an opposing organization, like, I don't know if he can run those. Is it, mm-hmm. Did they not call those plays because he can't run them? Or did they not run call those plays because, you know, their quarterback can't make those throws? I don't know. We don't know the answer right. to that. Nobody does, except for and, the Niners. Right. The and fact it that could they're be willing that they... to not pay him tells me a little bit more. Right. right. I agree with that completely. And like, did he not run those routes though? Because he can't. And they're like, yeah. how else can we get this guy the ball? Yep. Exactly. And now let's move him to running back. And he's big and he, he bounces off, off tacklers, right. you know? So, right. And the only reason he got moved to running back is because early on this year, he ran a couple reverses and took him like 60, 70 yards. So they're like, well, maybe he can't run routes like I, you can, but he sure shit can do magic when he has the ball. Let's throw yeah. him in the backfield. You know exactly, exactly. But we don't really know what Debo can or can't do. Really, we don't. And it opens up a lot of possibilities. And obviously, there's a couple teams with a couple first round draft picks which can trade for him. Specifically, Green Bay and Kansas City. I mean, I think he's an ideal fit in Kansas City only because they have Martez. Valden Scantling, who can actually run a go route, so at least you take off the top, and then you have Kelsey, similar to Kittle, so you leave an opportunity for Debo. Debo's basically a bigger Tyreek Hill, you right. know what I mean? So, But they didn't want to pay Tyreek Hill, so why are you going to trade for Debo just to pay him? Well, I think the biggest thing with Tyreek Hill is that, you know, he succeeded best taking the top off, and teams were like triple teaming him, and, you know... 
that takes away his strength. I mean, mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill's a great receiver. I think the Chiefs need to run the ball more. That's just me. But. Right. Well, and that's like like when you hear team people say, oh, he's going to the Chiefs or, oh, he's going to the Packers. Like, these are two teams that traded receivers because they couldn't afford it. So well, why are they going to trade for a guy and pay him? But I mean, like he's gonna make less than Devonte Adams, and he's gonna make less than Tyreek Hill. He ain't, he ain't gonna make as well, much. Well, he wants to make running back and receiver money, though, dude. He he not making well. Running backs don't get paid that much, so good for good luck to him. But he's not gonna <laughs> make as much as a uh, as Stephon Diggs. You know what I mean? Like, no, and he shouldn't. So I I think absolutely both those scenes. That's why I'm saying like he's he's basically a bigger version of Tyreek Hill, not as fast, obviously. But he's a similar type wide receiver where they like they thrive on yards after the catch, dude. That's what they thrive yeah, on. Yeah. But Debo can bounce off tacklers, whereas Tyree Kill is more just like you know burn past them. So I, I could definitely see the Chiefs um, trading for him. But again, like you said, the contract. You know, I don't I don't see the Chiefs paying him twenty million a year. I don't see him right. paying him seventeen million a year. So that's really what he's looking for. I think his teams are very limited. He's going to have to go to a team like the fucking Jets. You know what I mean? Right, right. Good luck, dude. You know, And he may never duplicate the production. Right. And a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned the Colts. Like, that's still a reason. They have the money to do it. Well, they, I mean, Colts, I don't know. I don't think that's a reasonable option. And, but they get the, and uh, I don't know. And I was, I was trying to think of this before. I should have looked this up. But like Debo, the year before, not last year, but the year before, I feel like he was hurt like majority of the season, wasn't he? Was he was hurt last year like, too. He, yeah, he, he has like a like health dreams. issue. Like he can't stay healthy, dude. Like I'm not going to pay a guy 20 to 25 million if they can't be on the field. And Andy, Andy thrives and, best as a running back. Right. And he takes a pounding, dude. And he wasn't on the field for the last drive for the Niners last year because he was hurt. That's what I'm saying, bro. It's, yeah, I'm not a fan. Dude. I mean, it's a big I like gamble. Debo and the Niners. It's a big gamble, bro. It's a big gamble if you if you take him on. Um, but let's uh, let's get Chris in here, and we're going to talk some NFL draft, and then we'll hop back in and we'll talk some USFL betting lines. Um, so stay locked with us. We're going to bring Chris on right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to APR. We're being joined by a very special guest. Some of you might be very familiar with him. Others of you may not be. This is Chris Ransom from Draft Utopia. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter, at Draft Utopia. My guy does all the mock drafts for every single sport, MLS, MLB, NBA, NFL. He is your guy if you are into mock drafts. This is the guy. Chris, thank you for joining us. I know it's very late on the East Coast. How are you doing tonight? Great. Two weeks from now, we'll have the NHL and NBA draft lotteries, but that's not why Jordan summoned me here. He summoned me here for one reason. We're talking NFL mock drafts, so let's get this underway. We definitely are. We definitely are talking mock drafts, and we've heard a lot of movement up top uh, recently in a lot of mock drafts. We've seen, um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson seems to be the consensus number one, but we've seen Trayvon Walker on some top of of mock drafts and, and some boards. So what's your thoughts about the early movement in the uh, NFL draft, and how do you kind of see the top of the, the draft shaking out? Well, my top five is Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan edge rusher at one to Jacksonville. I've got Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon edge rusher, going second to Detroit. Ike McQuanu going third to the Texans. I've got Walker falling to the Jets at four, and then I've got the um, – Alabama left tackle Evan Neal going to the Giants at five as a right tackle next to Andrew Thomas. And I think Walker's gained a lot of momentum, but I think if the Jaguars passed on anyone, took anyone besides Aiden Hutchinson or Evan Neal, I think it would backfire tremendously because they need a player that's going to be a cornerstone player, a player that's going to help them win now. And while I do like Trayvon Walker's athleticism, his rip and swim moves still need to develop. He does have a good spin move though, but some of his game is kind of raw and he went one for 12 against Evan Neal in both the SEC championship and the national title game. So I feel very hesitant about taking Walker if Evan Neal's on the board. Well, I mean, in the same, in the same respect though, Aiden Hutchinson didn't do very well against that Georgia defense. I, I mean, that Georgia offensive line either. That's but, true. Georgia's offensive line had Warren McClendon and Jameer Salgir at offensive tackle. So to be fair, that was the one game where Aiden Hutchinson wasn't 
in his best form. He dominated Ohio State's Nicholas Petit Friere. He has been dominant the rest of the season. But does not give fair, you concern? That is a valid point. Does that give you any concern? Like I, I, because I see Aiden Hutchinson as like the consensus number one player, and I'm just like, I don't see it because I saw him get dominated by Georgia, and Georgia is like an NFL type offensive line. I think that Aiden Hutchinson can be a great player, like um, like Trey Hendrickson from the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't see him as a three down impact defensive lineman. Well, he would have to move to outside linebacker if he went to the Jaguars or the Lions because those teams run 34 defenses, too. That's the other thing you got to take into account. He would have to move to that position. I did see him play a little bit of coverage against Penn State. That's why I'm not as low on him. I know he can cover. I know he can use rip and swim moves. Thibodeau, it seems like he wins a lot of his one-on-ones with his athleticism. Yep. So... That's really the thing, and he's Thibodeau's just not a very good run stuffer, whereas I feel like Hutchinson's more sound in that department. Fair. Same with Walker. Fair point. Yeah. And, too, I mean, with that Georgia game, wasn't, like, Georgia up, like, 21 nothing in, like, a minute and a half? Like, I feel like there wasn't much – he didn't have much opportunity to get to attack the quarterback. Um, but one, one thing I'm looking at with this draft is, there's a, like, I feel like there's more teams with multiple first-round picks in this year's draft than I can remember in recent history, if ever. Um, so with the fact that there's multiple teams with um, first-round picks or even top two-round picks, what's the likelihood we see a lot of tra- draft, draft day trades? Like, that's always the number one hot topic everyone wants to know during the draft coming in. Yeah, and... One thing I think could happen is if we see a team trade into the top 10, I think it's going to be Pittsburgh because I've heard they love Malik Willis. And if Carolina doesn't take him at six, one of two things is going to happen. Carolina is either going to make a trade for Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo before the draft, or and then they'll take Charles Cross at six, or they'll take a quarterback at number six. I don't see Carolina moving out of the pick. Um, I also heard that Seattle only has one trade offer for number nine, and I'm guessing that is from Pittsburgh as well, because Pittsburgh seems like the team that is willing to give up the most to get the player they want, whether that be Malik Willis or whoever they're pursuing, because if that's the case, then everyone in the top 10 is probably going to make a selection if Carolina chooses to keep that pick and get a quarterback. So speaking of quarterbacks and teams drafting, what about the Detroit Lions? Because there's no way they're going, they're moving forward, Jared Goff. And obviously they have a lot of holes, but you don't think there's any possibility. Like they're the wild card in my opinion. You don't think there's any possibility that they could take Malik Willis? Or what if a team trades up with Detroit to draft Malik Willis? That they, they really love Malik Willis. That could happen. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. New regimes do mean new quarterbacks, and the Giants did get the Bills' um, assistant general manager as their new GM, and they did get Brian Dable, the Bills' offensive coordinator. So if they thought Malik Willis was the next Josh Allen, they could move up to number two and take him. But I, I just, for some reason, I feel like the Giants are locked in on Evan Neal. And Carolina, I think they are going to take Malik Willis because Carolina's had more success drafting quarterbacks in the first round than anything else. They tried the free agency route with Bridgewater. That didn't work. They tried trading for Darnold. That also didn't work. So it's year three of this Matt Rule regime. And, I mean, Carolina is a team that I'm looking at as a quarterback candidate. Atlanta at eight is another team that could go with a quarterback but I don't see them taking anyone besides Malik Willis. If Willis is gone, I think Atlanta will get an edge rusher and they'll try to wait for next year or play things out with Mariota. I mean, Jim Nagy, the senior bowl executive, said there could be as many as five quarterbacks that go around one. I don't believe that will happen personally, but if Carolina takes Willis at six and Atlanta gets picket at eight, New Orleans could get Ritter or Howell at 16, Pittsburgh could get the other quarterback, and then Detroit could get the fifth quarterback at 32. That would be crazy if that happened, Jordan, but it is in the realm of unlikely possibilities. I don't think it personally happens. I've got Willis to Carolina, Pickett to New Orleans, and Corral to Pittsburgh in my mock. But 
there are teams that might prefer Howell over or Ritter over Corral because of Corral's character concerns from his younger days. I think he's matured since then, but I can see why teams would prefer Ritter because of his leadership and the way he commands a locker room. I could see why teams prefer Howell because he was the preseason QB one. There's just a lot of variables with this QB class. And I think too many variables in a QB class that's watered down is not good for the league, especially when 2023's quarterback group could be a lot stronger. Well, I think it might be stronger at the top of the draft, but that's what I like about this quarterback draft is that I think there is five guys that could potentially be NFL starters. And I I think you brought up a lot of concerns for, for a lot of them. And that's what you have to figure out is, are they going to be that guy for the next step to command an NFL organization to be that poster child of that organization? Right. And I think that's the biggest thing because I mean, you nailed the, you nailed it on the head, dude. Like this is a watered down class. I think they're that close. I don't think there's a top heavy, like a Trevor Lawrence in this class, a runaway star, but there's I, not a blue chip quarterback or a pro bowl quarterback in my honest opinion. I, I think, I think Malik Willis starters. can be that guy. Willis could be that guy. If he can fix his accuracy and make better decisions at the next level, he could be that guy. It might take him until year three, like what Josh Allen did with the Bills, but Willis probably is the best chance of becoming that guy. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's a, as a guy that's like plug and play, right? Like you can't draft a guy this year and be like, okay, we're going to, he's going to well, be our starter. Trevor Lawrence and, wasn't plug and play last year and he was consensus number one quarterback in the draft. Well, he also had Urban Meyer. That's a, he that's definitely had a, the biggest handicap. He definitely had hurdles, but I mean, that's part of the, this process. You know what I mean? Is like sometimes you're Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes had all these question marks. Is he accurate enough? Is does he make bad decisions? And he fell to the and the Chiefs traded up and got him. And that was a perfect situation, dude. He got to sit behind Alex Smith for a year, got to play under Andy Reid and and uh, Eric Bieniemy. So I mean, that's part of this whole draft process is like where you where this team falls, where this quarterback falls to. You know what I mean? Like these these guys can all make NFL throws, dude. I have no doubt about that. Like yeah, Mac- and this, here's the other thing. The Saints, if the Chiefs hadn't moved up from Mahomes, the Saints were going to take him at 11. Yeah, There's reports the Saints were going to take Watson, but that's false because they could have taken Watson at 11, but they didn't. They chose Lattimore over Watson. But there were also reports that the Saints had set their eyes set on Mahomes, and that would have been a Brett Favre and Rodgers situation had Mahomes gone to New Orleans instead of Kansas mm. City because he would have had to sit for three years, but then he would have gotten the team after Breeze retired. Yep. Yeah, so like with this draft class, we we kind of have like a staff. Like I we talked about it before, where we don't feel like it's like a knockout draft. Deep get player maybe later round fourth round. That move could be second. What's a position like the Raiders? Don't have a first or second round pick. Can be looking. Eddie, you broke up there. You got to repeat that question. Oh, my fault. My fault. So yeah. So basically, my question is like, with the Raiders not having a pick in the first, second, and other teams have traded their picks as well. What's a position that we can look for for later in the draft, third through fifth round, that might have star quality players or solid players that can come in and play today? Um, what's that position yeah. group that we should look? For? I think they're cornerback group and linebacker groups are extremely deep and when i say that i mock darian i think i mocked troy anderson the montana state linebacker the raiders at 87 this is a player that i really like on tape and mel kiper has him going round one mcshay charles davis having bucky brooks all have him going round two jeremiah as well um i i've put him on the raiders i think it's an extremely deep cornerback group belichick could easily end up with another undrafted free agent he had malka butler in 2014 and then he got jc jackson in 2018 he could end up with another undrafted corner that goes on to become a number one corner in the league for years to come this is a very deep cornerback draft interesting um who are what's your biggest um I guess I'm trying to say this the nicest way possible. Who are you looking at in that's supposed to go in the, like, let's say top 10 that you see like massive bus potential from? Well, I mean, 
I think the receivers, there's a lot of boomer bust receivers in this draft. I think Jamison Williams is a boomer bust prospect. I love his speed. He He's the one player in this draft that could run through a tornado. At the same time, I'd like to see his route tree develop and improve. I'm not saying he's a he's a bust. He's more of a boomer bust player, in my opinion, because he has he's two for 32 against man coverage. That's the other thing. Him and Jahan Dotson at Penn State are both two for 32 against man coverage. It's meaning they've only gotten two catches on 32 targets and gets man coverage. <sighs> yeah, good night, dude. That's not good. <laughs> So I mean, is there any other players? Red flag, but that's something you got to take a deeper look into and make sure he's the guy you want. He's the guy who can come through for your team when it matters. Right. Right. That makes sense. Especially the NFL, they're not just going to let you run for five yards off the line more times than not. Yep. Exactly. Good point. No. I think Kyle Hamilton. Looking at the draft in general. I like Kyle Hamilton, but he's lost a lot of momentum, as you guys stated earlier. He's a guy that I actually still have him fifth on my final big board, but I think he falls to the Texans at 13. Why do you um, think he's falling? It's mainly the 40 time, 4-7-40 from Notre Dame's pro day. Yeah, that's really the only reason he's falling. He's st- he has top five game film, and you look at the range, his range was about as fast as Stingley on the final 20 yards. Final 20 yards was fast, but the first, first 20 yards, yards, he got off to a slow start. Because I think the, the thing with Kyle Hamilton for me is I think he's one of those box safeties where he's going to be like Jamal Adams, um, Jonathan Abrams type. And I, I, I think there's a place for those safeties in today's game. I just don't think they're as valuable as a safety that can cover and if you don't have four, seven speeds, pretty slow. And I know that sometimes, you know, things can happen and game film does mean a lot, but at the same time, like he's, he's going up against collegiate athletes. So that speed does mean something like he's going to have to cover on the back end, these Tyree kills and of the world. And these guys that are running four, three forties on the regular. Like it's not just every other game. Like this is something he's got to do every week. I just don't know if that's in him. So I, I understand the slide from Kyle Hamilton, what about wide receivers? I mean, you kind of mentioned it with Robinson, but this is a deep wide receiver class. Who do you see as the wide receiver number one in this in this draft? It's a close one for me. I have number 11 and number 12 on my big board. I have two receivers, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. I think Garrett Wilson is the best route tree of any receiver in this draft, 24 out of 30 routes. I mean, there's a few receivers that can run three routes that you can get in day three too, like – when I say run routes, they can run all 30 routes in the route tree. Guys like Khalil Shakir, Calvin Austin the third, and um, there's one more receiver. I'm, uh, I can't think of his name at the top of my head at the moment, but oh, he played for um, – I mocked him the Bills in round six. I think it was um, – What school did he go to? Uh, I, I think he played for UCLA, Kyle Phillips. Oh, yeah, That's, yeah. Those are my top three route runners, but just looking at the game film, I think Garrett Wilson's the best round one route runner, and then I would put Drake London at two, but Drake London's the second youngest receiver in the entire draft behind Makai Polk out of Mississippi State. So if you're looking for youth, you're looking for longevity, there's going to be teams saying maybe Drake London's wide receiver one because of his youth, because of his age, because of his longevity. You're also going to have teams saying maybe Jamison Williams is wide receiver one strolly based on his game speed. Well, I think you're missing one thing about Drake London too is that he has the best like attack point on a ball. Like he's six five and can jump like a fucking gazelle, dude. You know, what he I mean? he can. Like there were plays against Notre Dame where he was wide open and Slovis wasn't getting him the ball, and it was his catch that knocked Kyle Hamilton out of the game. Nope, he's so. He was on pace to break every single season NCAA record this year until he got hurt. And I think that's the reason why he's dropped a little bit is because of his ankle injury. But I know I know I'm a little biased being a USC guy, but still like I've seen this guy beat double triple teams before. This guy was getting anywhere between nine and nineteen targets a game before yeah. his injury. That's the other thing too. Nineteen targets against triple teams. Yeah. Incredible stuff. What are the best running backs in the draft, in your opinion? I think Brees Hall 
Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller are the consensus top three. I like Hall a little bit more than Spiller. I mean, I mean Walker. I like Hall a little bit more than Walker, but those two seem to be 1A and 1B. And the reason I have Isaiah Spiller at running back three is because he's the youngest player in the entire draft. I think that makes him one of the first three running backs off the board just because of his age. And some people who play dynasty football and fantasy are comparing him to Adrian Peterson. Personally, I don't oh, see that from a speed that, standpoint. <laughs> I don't see that, but I, I don't know why they're making that comparison. Adrian Peterson was just an incredible player. Dude, Adrian Peterson was a generational running back, dude. Like, he was, <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's, that is funny. Oh, Eddie, you're freezing again on us. Uh, what do you? What's the team that you see that can? Oh my God, my I don't know. Can you guys hear me now? You got me. We yeah, got, you. We got you. We got you. Okay, perfect. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on, but what's a team that can like mix up this whole entire thing? Like, where's the linchpin? Like every year, there's one that either makes a dumb pick or makes a pick no one was expecting. Normally, it's the Raiders. Luckily, I have to watch that this year. <laughs> what is the one team that you think can just pull? It might on be the New Orleans situation? Saints because I've heard a lot of rumors that they're. I mocked them Kenny Pickett and Drake London, but I've heard a lot of rumors that the Saints love Tulsa left tackle Tyler Smith. So if he's there at 16 or 19, I have a second round grade on Tyler Smith, but if he's there at 16 or 19, don't be surprised if the Saints reach for him and make him their left tackle with Teron Armstead gone. I mean, so what would the ramifications be from that? In your opinion, if that's the move that's made, what could happen after that in the first round that could adjust everything that we're thinking of going into it? Well, I, I mean, I like Tyler Smith, but I just like Trevor Penning and some of the other tackles in this draft a little bit more. Bernard Raymond, some of those guys. I like them a little bit more. That's why I have a second-round grade on Tyler Smith, and I mocked him to the Colts, but I think the only team that would keep the Colts from getting Tyler Smith is the Saints, and they do really like him. They did bring, they did go to Tulsa's Pro Day. They interviewed him at the Combine. They, they seem to really like Tyler Smith, so – that's a pick they could end up making. Um, I think the Packers are, with their multiple draft picks and the Chiefs with their multiple draft picks, they're going to make day one of this draft extremely interesting. Yep. I think I, I agree with both of those. I think that they hold uh, a couple of keys to everything because I think a lot of teams want wide receivers. And by the time that the Chiefs and Packers get up and both those teams need a wide receiver, right? And if right. like, they could reach for a wide receiver that maybe you have a second round grade on like a Sky Moore or a Dotson from Penn State, right? Uh, I'm not sure you have those as first rounders, maybe late first rounders or early second round, but no, I have those guys both going in the second round. Like they could, they could reach for those guys because they, they need could. a wide receiver. They could. It's very possible. I, I like Sky Moore though. I really do like that kid. He, do, he does have great film. He actually led the team in receptions as a true freshman, and he he did lose some targets to D. Eskridge last year, but this year he bounced back. He showed he could be the guy. He dominated. So I can't really hold that against him. I mean, he's played well throughout this entire draft process, and yep. I think I had like. 12 to 14 receivers in the first two rounds of my mock draft, my seven round mock. So it's like, yeah, sounds it's a pretty right. deep receiver class. Definitely sounds about right. Eddie, you got any more questions for Chris? Yeah, man. No, I'm excited. He gave me more information in this last like 30 minutes than I have. And I've been researching the draft for the last month. You know, Chris is, he's the go-to for draft knowledge. Make sure to go to follow him on Twitter at draft utopia. Chris, thank you for joining us tonight. I uh, Michael Mayetti, Center, Missouri. That is my Mr. Irrelevant in my seven-round mock draft. <laughs> oh, okay. The final pick in the draft. So I just wanted to throw that nugget out there before I signed off. But thanks, Jordan and Eddie, for having me on. Absolutely. And man. I can't wait to watch the replay of this clip. So long. Uh, hey, hold on. Before you leave, wait. give me two sleepers in the NFL draft. I forgot about the sleeper segment. Right. Okay. Um, one sleeper on offense that I don't think a lot of people are talking about right now could be tight end Derek Deese Jr., San Jose State tight end. He, hey. can run all three hey. he is amazing. Hey. 
I get Antonio Gates vibes with him. I do have him in the sixth round of my mock to Dallas, but I do get Antonio Gates vibes with Derek Deese Jr., the San Jose State tight end. And on defense, my sleeper, my Malcolm Butler for this year's draft is South Carolina State cornerback to Kobe Durant. Okay, man, I like it. I like it. I, lo- I, I honestly, I love Derek Deese. I think he's a great player. I 100% agree with you. I also am a little biased towards San Jose State, but that's that. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at DraftUtopia. You can catch his website at DraftUtopia.com. My guy literally lives and breathes mock drafts of every single sport. Chris, thank you for joining us. We will catch you all later, or we will catch you later. I got to have you on soon for sure. We got to talk some other kind of drafts. NBA draft for sure this year, Chris. Maybe we'll do something in three weeks after the NHL and NBA lotteries are done around like March 18th there or we May go. 18th. I'm with it. Yeah. I'm with it. Thank you, brother. Have a great night. I know it's late out there, so go get some sleep. Thank you for joining us. No problem. I'll get some Z's after this. So long. <sighs> All right. Bye. Later, man. Later. Shout out to Chris for joining us uh, to talk some NFL draft. We uh, had some time restri- time restrictions there, so had to rush it up. But uh, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter at Draft Utopia. Like I said a thousand times, dude. Like my guy knows what he's doing. Trust me, he was very he's very knowledgeable. But Eddie, we got to talk about some USFL, man. So <sighs> before we talk yeah, about next games. week's games, we got to like kind of recap what happened last week. Um, I felt like we got off to a great start, dude. I, th- I yeah. thought the first game was awesome, but then it kind of just. You know, was it like the, the weather? And uh, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, the first game was the best game of the week, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. Like, it was an entertaining game. It was good football. Like, I mean, obviously there was like plays here and there where you're kind of like, oh, what the hell are we watching? But I mean, for only being able to practice for like a month together, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't bad, dude. A lot of checkdowns, a lot of like short routes, but still productive football that I can enjoy watching. I enjoyed watching uh, that first game. Yeah, no, I was. I thought the first game was definitely the best. Uh, I was expecting a lot more out of Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh, and neither of them came to the party. And, and Michigan, especially, like mm. I mean, Michigan both of us thought Michigan was going to be. We, we we both thought they were going to be top two team in the league, and they were. They were right. awful, bro. Like, dude, and like probably the most disappointing thing was watching Paxton Lynch play football. Yeah. Like, dude, he not like he wasn't just like missing guys. Like Patterson was in. He had a fumble on that like their first good drive. Right, they took it back for a touchdown. But like Paxton Lynch was throwing it to defenders, nah, like missing bad. guys by yards. Two dude. for like, five, four. one interception, dude. He only threw for technically one yard. Yeah, he's, I mean, no thanks, dude. Like, I don't know what. Like, I'm good off of the Pax and Lynch. Like, it just shows that the Broncos stink by drafting <laughs> Dude, I was going to say, how <laughs> bad do you have to be to draft Pax and Lynch? Like, that's where we're at in these days. And, I mean, Shea Patterson was once a, was a, was once a good re, a high recruit, too. So, I mean, they, he looked not, he looked decent. Um, he looked decent. Like I said, that fumble kind of, like, screwed him because they were going to score. And, like, yeah, they could have yeah. changed the whole game, you know. Instead, they take it back because Houston didn't look great. Nah, Houston did not. No, no one really looked good. No one except, really looked great. Except yeah. for uh, Birmingham, I would say, looked the best. Tampa Bay, Although, I would the New say Orleans the defense best. looked nasty. Yeah, New Orleans defense looked good. Um, you know, they handled business. Gave up 17 points, so Tampa Bay only gave up three. Yeah, I mean, I think Pittsburgh might be the worst team in the league, though. But you mean like Philadelphia? That's right. No, Pittsburgh. You play Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that offense, dude. Like, like I wasn't, like, watching the whole game, like, all the way through. You know, I was, like, flipping back and forth between a couple of things. But, like, it seemed like every time I turned it on, either Pittsburgh was turning the ball over or Tampa Bay had the ball. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it was just kind of – it wasn't pretty, dude. It wasn't uh, – I think Tampa Bay just kind of did what they needed to do, you know, controlled the game. And I do think that our handicaps at the end of the day were spot on. Like, I took All four unders. unders. Yeah, I took you four unders, went three and one, dude. Yeah. I made some money off USFL this week with the under bets. And, like, you know, and it, it'll get better throughout the year. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see better games. We'll see um, the offense is clicking a little bit. But right, right now, that under is looking, looking nice. Yeah, I mean, I would play all four unders this week, too. I mean, the lowest one we have is the Maulers and the Stars, who 
We're it went two of the worst teams in the league, and that's twenty two and a half. That's over under thirty five. So I mean, I, w- <laughs> I would still play the under there, dude. Like, oh shit, yeah. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a nice line there. I mean, we see these lines again, dude. Like that Mahler Stars game next week is the biggest biggest line. Mahler uh, Stars minus seven. Really, Mahler's plus seven, which I mean makes sense, dude. Uh, yeah, Pittsburgh was atrocious. Yeah, they were one of the worst teams, and I mean Philadelphia lost. They only put up seventeen points, but I mean, it looked 17. a hell of a lot better. I feel like they played a better game though. Like they had a uh, they had, uh, what's it called? Almost a pick six in their own right. You know what I mean? Like um, their defense played well. The offense came to play in the second half. They didn't do much offensively. I think. They had less than 100 yards in the first half, but um, second half, it looks like they came alive a little bit, had a touchdown on their opening drive in the second half. So, yep. uh, again, I mean, just got to give these guys some time. Like, it's all their first times playing together. Uh, what I did see with, I believe, I want to say it is, I forget which team it was, but I'm looking for the little white guy receivers, dude. Like, I think those are the guys that could actually make an impact. And I saw one, I I have to look. I'm going to look him up while we're talking because he was uh, number four. That's all I remember. Um, hey, we look good. Good, good awareness there. Number four. That's all I remember. I remember he was little. He was white. And he was number four, and he dropped a touchdown that he should have had. Man, that sounds like the USFL. But yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I would still take the unders here. But let's go through these games next week. Um, so Friday we have the Panthers playing the generals in Birmingham, Alabama. Remember all these games are in the same, same vicinity. Same so there is no home field advantage. Um, so we have the Michigan Panthers versus New Jersey generals right now. The generals are a minus one point favorite against the Panthers. So I feel like this is the book kind of, cl- kind of uh, grasping onto the names that we know on the Michigan Panthers. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I think the generals lost last week, but I think they, I they think they're well. at least equally as good of a team as as the generals. I mean, I would take the plus. I would take the point here. Easy. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree. And like the one thing I would like to see out of um, out of Michigan is I don't want to see Paxton Lynch on the field ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, if they're gonna throw Paxton Lynch out there still and try to run this like two quarterback bullshit thing that they're doing, then I'm gonna even hammer them even New Jersey even more. Yeah. But um, like you said, Shea Patterson looked fine. Like, I don't know. I get they're trying to see what they have or whatever because they didn't get a lot of practice time. But, like, forget it, dude. Like, it's a regular season. Like, he didn't have a preseason, so you got to try to win. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, again, I like New Jersey. I think they're the better team here. And until Michigan can, like, show me any kind of consistency, like, it felt like every drive they had ended in a turnover. Um, which wasn't like the, obviously that's not the case because they did end up scoring like 12 points, I think in that game. Um, but yeah, that just inconsistent quarterback play, which you're going to get from pretty much every team. Let's be real. Um, but theirs was abysmal. Like you can't turn the ball over. Just, as long as you don't turn the ball over in this league, I feel like you're going to win. Yeah. I mean, that's like the one thing you, you definitely want to, uh, at least hang your head on is not turning the ball over. Uh, but let's hop into this next game here. We got the the Pittsburgh Maulers. They are catching seven points going against the Philadelphia Stars. I almost want to say Dallas Stars. Over <laughs> under is thirty five here. What's your thoughts on this on this game? Like, yeah, I think thirty five might even be too high. Yeah, as weird as that sounds, right? Like seven. If you look at last week, they combined for twenty points. Different teams are playing against, but the Stars' defense wasn't terrible. Uh, against New Orleans either. Uh, New Orleans really couldn't do anything offensively. I think they scored 10 points early in the game, but it was a pick six and uh, another turnover that they had. And then they didn't turn the ball over after. So, like, you know what I mean? And that uh, the only thing is their quarterback for uh, the Stars, Brian, I think it's Brian Scott is yep. his name. Yep. He got hurt on the last play, uh, hurt his throwing hand. So we'll have to see if he's actually playing. But um, – I mean, he threw for the most yards in the league last last week, two hundred and two yards. Well, so, their hold on, who was it? The Philadelphia Stars. Yeah, their backup quarterback, Case Kukis. Case Kukis from Thousand Oaks, California. Hey, there you go. But I mean, they had they. I mean, 
overall, I thought they played a pretty solid game. Again, first half jitters, in my opinion. They came out there a little. They have a terrible offensive line, though. Like, I don't know if New Orleans defensive line is that good. Or if like they're all these teams have bad, bad offensive lines. Yeah, but I mean, it just seemed like that stuck out even more than the rest of the league. Dude. Like, it felt like New Orleans was in the backfield as before the ball was snapped. So I would like to see that offensive line play pick up a little bit or at least get him scrambling early, you know, honestly, out of the pocket. I would take the points here with Pittsburgh plus a plus a seven. I I just don't think any USFL team should be laying seven points at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of agree there. Like, even though they only put up three, but we did mention that Tampa Bay might be the best overall team. So that could have something to do with it. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense held them to 17 points. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, I just there wasn't much for me either way to like really think that because if we're thinking it's under at thirty five and a half, and you're getting seven, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the, when Love played, he looked nice. Loletta was trash. He was two for ten. Yeah, why do they keep doing this two quarterback thing, dude? Just let the San Jose State guy eat. I, th- I think they're just trying to see what they have, but I, I expect Love to fucking move forward as their starter. So I actually like Pittsburgh uh, here plus the seven points. I think that's that actually might be best bet material. All right, let's move on to the next game. We got the Stallions, the Birmingham Stallions, the only home team against the Houston <laughs> Gamblers, both 1-0 and right now. Right now, Houston plus three, Birmingham minus three. What's your thoughts on this one? Um, I went to Tamar Birmingham here. I think Houston, uh, the only reason they're one and oh is because Paxton Lynch played against them. Um, because they scored a defensive <laughs> touchdown. They had like four possessions that started inside their own 50 on plus side of the field, and they still only put up 17 points. You know what I mean? Like they didn't really have a a ground attack that they could um they, they could use and uh like close situations. I think they were 0 for 7 on third downs um, for uh, for the first seven third down opportunities in the game until they started getting into the little little tank. Uh, I think it's BJ Ellis is his name, yeah. something like that. So um, I don't really think Houston should be undefeated at this point because they put up 17 points in the first half and didn't score again. You know, So uh, Birmingham looked good all the way through. Defense played solid. Their offense looked good. Looked like they were in rhythm a little bit earlier than you know than uh, the other teams in the league. So I think Birmingham. How many? What's the spread again? Uh, the spread Birmingham minus three. Yeah, I'm gonna hammer Birmingham here. I think. Yeah, I think I, I like Birmingham here as well. I think they're one of the better teams. They obviously put up the most points. I don't know if that makes them the best team, but I would definitely take uh, Birmingham minus three. Or plus, they have the, like the true home home field advantage. Right. You know what I mean? All thirty five people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to the last game. This is going to be played on Sunday. This is the New Orleans Breakers. They are catching two and a half points against the Tampa Bay Bandits. They're laying two and a half over under forty and a half here. What do you think about this one? So. This one's interesting to me. I think this might be a a fun game to watch. Like, I really want to see if New Orleans defense is as good as they played last week. Or, you know, was it just playing a bad offensive line? Because in the beginning, too, of that Tampa Bay game, um, I can't pronounce his name, Tamu, I believe is their quarterback's name. He looks solid. That first drive, they marched right down the field. Um, they're one of the only teams that threw the ball over 30 times, if not the only team that threw the ball 30 times. And he looked great in the first half, but that second half, they didn't score. Todd Haley you know what effect, I mean? dude. What's that? Todd Haley effect. Yeah. Yeah. And they had my favorite player in the league in Emmons, you know, the running back. Like I said, he was a uh, Raiders uh, last year during preseason. I thought he was going to make the squad. But um, so, I, again, I like Tampa Bay. But I want to see what that New Orleans defense can do because that was probably my favorite part of the USFL weekend was watching New Orleans D, their front four, they're getting all that pressure. Um, and I want to see if, it's, if, it run, if it rings true, if it's consistent. Because if that's something that's consistent, that's something we can hang our hat on. Yeah, I still think Todd Haley's the best coach in the USFL, and I expect I expect Tampa to improve every single week as they get more reps mm-hmm. and get more familiar with each other. And I, I agree. I thought they were nice in the first half. Thought they kind of took a little step back, but I mean their defense was good too. So actually, I, I like Tampa to win this game. I like them to cover, and I, I this might be the only game I take the over. Actually, really, what's the uh, spread? 
It's uh, minus two and a half, and the over-under is 40 and a half. Minus two and a half, that's it, huh? Yeah, I think this one could be a little uh, high scoring. Yeah, I mean, I I like New Orleans. I think again, I like that. I like the front four, but like you said, Todd Haley on the other side, like it's this. He's not seeing anything he's never seen before. Exactly. You know what I mean? So if anyone's going to scheme up for it, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I like that Tampa Bay minus two and a half because they could probably win this by three, in my opinion. Yep, I like that. That might be my best bet. So speaking of best bets, what? Are your two USFL best bets? I feel like I should say something smart. I feel like I should say something smart because I haven't really said anything smart yet. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so my first best bet that we're going to roll with this week, um, I believe I'm going to be taking um, Birmingham here uh, minus the three on the road, if you will, against Houston. Uh, again, Birmingham just look like they're more comfortable, more know ready if you will um and i didn't think houston played very well at all so we're going to take birmingham there minus the three and then we're also going to take any team that's playing michigan right now so this week it's going to be new jersey um money line plus 131 yeah i'll take a money line 100 i think that's going to be an upset special um and i think right now you might want to make some money because next week they're going to reverse those odds and realize michigan's really that bad all right, I'm with you, man. I, I like that one too. Uh, but my my first best bet, we're gonna take Tampa Bay Bandits minus two and a half. I think Tampa Bay is the best team. I do think they have the best coach as well. So I'm gonna take them uh, minus two and a half over the New Orleans Breakers. And then, uh, man, where should I go from here? <laughs> Second one's always the hard one, dude. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go under 41 generals and Panthers. Um, you know, the Panthers, they look, they look bad, dude. You know what I mean? And I was not excited about that. So give me the under 41 there. I don't think the books have adjusted enough. I think there's too much, uh, on the names here. So give me the under 41 in that game. Minus two and a half. Like those. Like this. Let's go. Let's make some more money. Let's go, y'all. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for joining us for another edition of APR. Thank you to Chris Ransom for joining us. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter at Draft Utopia. Make sure to follow Eddie at Eddie TSP on Twitter. You can follow me at Jordan Rules TSP. Make sure to go to Tavour.com or download the Tavour app straight to your mobile device and use promo code Tapper for $10 off your first purchase of 20 five dollars or more for ready ready i'm jordan stacks on stacks on stacks lads you can catch me on taproom sports podcast on sunday with ben we also might have some things in the works so stay tuned we will catch y'all later thank y'all once again for joining us we love y'all